Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist, and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents and adults trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture and future and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Trauma Tales. Today with me, um, I have Jill, who is Jack's sister, and she's going to tell us about when she experienced um, the trauma of what happened to her brother, Hi, Jill. How are you going? Hi, I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I can hear you've got little people in the background. Yes, always. (laughs) Always. Um, So tell me a little bit about what happened for you. What was your perspective on what happened to Jack? How did you find out? Um, Oh. But in regards to his accident or? Yeah. Yes. Um, I had just started a new job um, and I was leaving, I was leaving work that afternoon and received a phone call from his wife. Um, Yes. Letting me know that, that he'd been in an accident and that he'd been airlifted to a hospital. Wow, how was that, getting that phone call? Um, yeah, it was like a knife going through my heart. It was it was horrible. It, yeah, it, it, oh, unbelievable. Yeah, what did you, what did you do? I um, broke down straight away, but then, you mm. know, had to pull myself together because, um, you know, I had to be strong. I had to... I only worked around the corner, which was good. So it was just driving straight home. But it was lucky that my husband had already had the phone call as well. So he was straight on the phone and 
was able to, um, you know, console me and sort of get my shit together. And yeah, and then we did a few phone calls around and and then headed up to to Liverpool. So, so you have you and your husband have three young children. Yeah. How did you tell them? Um, the the eldest one was probably the only one that could actually gauge what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. It was more it was more the fact that it would be we don't know what's going to happen. Mummy has to go away for a couple of days. Like that was their sort of oh okay well why aren't you going to be here? So yeah, so it was hard for them, but at the same time they're still quite young, so they didn't actually get the severity of what had happened and we ourselves didn't mm. know what was going to happen, what had happened. And, yeah, it was full on. And 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 your mum, how was she? She, I don't know, she's optimistic about everything, so it was really hard to... Um, uh, d- just to grasp the idea of what of what was happening um and then being like being the supportive role that I am sort of for everyone in the family it was I was sort of that main person that would deliver information whether it was to mum or dad or relatives or whatever at the time and so it was full-on being that in-between person and having to Mm -hmm. take on that and um yeah, but I was very lucky because I, you know, had a very supportive husband at home who just took the reins with everything at home, which allowed me to be at the hospital for I think it was a week, a week and a half. Yeah. So, so walk me through um, going to the hospital, and because it's a couple of hours away from where you live. Yeah. Walk me through going to the hospital and walking in, and what did what did you see? Um, I can't actually recall how I actually got there. Hey, I can't remember, which is really bad. Um, I think Tim, uh, my husband drove me, but I'm not, yeah, going back, I can't actually remember. I was in such a state of getting there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember sitting, sitting and waiting aimlessly in the waiting room out the front of you know the um the intensive care unit for quite some time um before before Jack's wife came in and you know gave me a bit of a rundown of what to expect just to say mm-hmm. that look it's not this is not a pretty sight this is this is horrible to um see um and yeah, just to sort of brace yourself to say that, the, like, this is the aftermath of of everything, and that nothing has been resolved as such. And he, there was not, you got nothing out of him. He was like literally in a coma. So, yeah, it was it was very hard to see. So, the see, seeing how broken um, Jack's wife was when she, you know, came to the door to collect me in the waiting room and then doing the walk down and having that, you know, those conversations with her that weren't nice, you know. Yeah, just for her to prepare me and what I was going to see. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and then actually seeing him was it was a game changer. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Dr. Olga Laval and Associates, award-winning providers of psychological services, including telehealth and phone consultations, empowering people to make meaningful changes to their lives. For more information, please go to www.olgalaval.com. So when you walked in, um, even though obviously you'd been told it, it's never the same. It never kind of prepares you. What did you see? Um, so seeing seeing my brother lie in that bed, um, motionless, bruised from head to toe, his face was unrecognisable. It was... Um, it was intense. Yeah, he okay. was, his eyes were all puffy and his face was all bruised up and cuts all over it and the amount of swelling. Yeah, the amount of swelling on his head and his, yeah, his whole body. And he, yeah, he wasn't moving. And yeah, and he was just, he was just lifeless and so many machines and so many cords and yeah and drips and just yeah it was full on and yeah and the fact that just like yeah wow like talking to him but you're obviously getting nothing because he was in a full in a full coma. coma, sorry. And to not know he was going to pull through and and to have doctors not being able to give you any information to know if he's going to pull through or what's going to happen so or there was no there was no time limit. There was nothing. It was just like we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see what happens tomorrow. We'll see if we can get, like, if we can bring him out of the coma or not. Um, and then, yeah, and just talking to different people and getting snippets about what had actually happened that day um, just sort of brought it to a much more, re- like, a bigger reality to realise that, like, he died and then was brought back. Um yeah, it's definitely put it into much bigger perspective and may made me highlight how much I, you know, appreciate him and yeah, to think that I almost lost him. It's just yeah, it's horrible. How long was he in a coma for? About a week. Yeah. Once they they brought him out, and then they had to put him, they had to sedate him again. But um, 
Yeah. It was. Do you, do you know why? Um, because I, I think it was because they had to allow his body to try and heal a bit more. But Jack being the determined person and very um, strong-willed <laughs> that he mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, he um, he was he was definitely fighting against all odds and was coming out at the other end. Um, yeah, it was amazing. He had all the the nurses swooning over him. It was it was lovely. It was so cute. <laughs> um, yeah, the amount of nurses that were like, oh, he's such a big boy. <laughs> That's it. Yes. His arm and. Oh, it was just lovely. <laughs> like, it was so funny. And um, he's a big boy. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they sit there and stroke his tattooed arms and stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But um, <laughs> yeah. And he was, he still, even though like going through the process after he'd come out of, uh, out of the coma, it was, it was, um, it was good to see what that happened? he still, like he still had his sense of humour, and even though he couldn't talk, he had a um, he had a tube down his throat helping breathe, and that was in for a long, long time. Like you know, being I think it was a week and a half or two weeks, so he was not he couldn't really swallow, he couldn't it was it, he couldn't talk. Um, everything was either it was tube fed like having to you know use a catheter have a catheter in like he did so well and he was so um like he's so proud so for him it was a massive a massive dent to his you know his confidence his ego everything because it was just you know he doesn't ask for anyone to do anything for him he's a very independent person and so for him to have to have people, you know, feed him or give him a drink or, you know, change it. Like it was, yeah, even being bath, he just, he hated it. He likes to do mm. his own stuff. Like he's very, very yeah. independent and he likes it his own way. So it was, it was hard to see. Um, yeah. Being, being his sister, I could get away with giving him a little bit more shit when he was, when he was a bit more coherent. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So whenever we went he... in there, I would just go in and try and make jokes with him and and just give him crap. Um, yeah, whether it was you know asking if he if he got any extra favors from a nurse or you know like you know if they're feeding him enough or if they've you know let mince up a steak or like just just giving him crap like <laughs> because it was what just I sort did of keeping there. his spirits up. So yeah. when he first woke up, did he? what was he like emotional really emotional he was um obviously in and out of the like he because he was so obviously so tired and so drugged up but he was um yeah really emotional and angry like he was at that frustrated point where he just he just wanted to get out he he didn't want to be there but he was in so much pain he couldn't like he couldn't laugh he couldn't cough he could barely breathe like because he had so many shattered ribs 
um so just yeah just just breathing normal and then you know and to have someone sit there and make him try and you know do big um you know inhale like in and out breaths and everything like that was was just horrific because he was in so much pain um yeah um once how long was he in the hospital all up gosh i don't know maybe a month maybe wow. longer yeah because it took a while for him to get from icu to the general ward and then i think once mm-hmm. he's in the general ward it might have been a week in there i think okay yeah and what what about when he came home he would have like i can't even fathom um yeah what what was that like um obviously he went back to his house um and his wife was there and he had people, I'm pretty sure he had like therapists and stuff come and check on him um, as well. And they had to bring, you know, like special beds in and all that kind of stuff um, just so that it was, you know, comfy for him to actually be at home. And yeah, so he was just, yeah, he got home and he was just frustrated. Um, obviously good to be home, but he just, he doesn't like your burden on anyone. So for him to still have to have people do stuff for him was still still a huge a huge impact on um on him which was which was huge and and obviously sorting out medications and and the constant the constant bed rest he's a very active yeah. person so for him to have to be resting all the time was torture um, yeah yeah he likes to tinker. He likes to be doing and be doing stuff everywhere, all over the house, at all different times of the day, night, whatever. So it was, yeah, it was really hard for him to, one, like for him not to be able to drive was huge because he loves driving. Um, yeah, you know, playing with his dog, like just just basic things. Um, yeah, having to shower yourself, having to, you know, for a walk things that just weren't weren't possible just being so dependent on other people would have i can't even imagine yeah been ridiculous um what was your relationship with him like before the accident um we've always got along um yeah we always i don't know we just get each other it's been good um I, in having like the three kids, we were, we were on different journeys. Um, he, he didn't have children at the time and, you know, I'd, I'd been busy having mine and I was always busy with my kids and, and husband and after school activities and whatever else. So we'd try and catch up, you know, obviously birthdays, we'd always do our like regular Christmas breakfast and everything. Um, but as far as catching up all the time, like I might check in once a month. Like it was really, and we lived in the same town. So it wasn't yeah. as, it wasn't, um, wasn't as close as what I'd like it to be, but I didn't make time for it either. 
like we were both just busy and obviously before the accident he was working you know six sometimes seven days a week like he would just he was always at work his wife worked and then when they weren't working then they'd be off doing things together and whatever else or he's cleaning his car or do you know what I mean like we're always just busy um yeah unless we made the time um but then with having the kids sometimes it was you know it was an effort because then people with without kids don't tend to want to do stuff with kids because they don't have kids so it's just easier to go can you get a babysitter or which we found it hard because we like to do stuff with our kids so it was um yeah but it was and what about what about after the accident how did it change your relationship I talked to him um like at least three times a week yeah we catch up and when we catch up, it's like a, you know, embracing hugs, mucking around, giving each other crap. Like it's, it's so lovely to, um, to have him as a brother and, and just realize how much, um, how much I could lost. And yeah, and it's good. And we just talk to each other about stuff that we probably never would have before, whether it's reminiscing about stuff in the past or, you know, discussing parents and their behaviors or or you know <laughs> talk, yeah talking about the animals whatever like yeah it's it's nice you know, like he's he's happy to to be involved and you know I'm constantly now sending photos and and keeping in touch and you know keeping it in the loop of life um you know now that he doesn't live around here anymore it's even more crucial that I get like you know, as soon as I find out he's coming up here to say, well, come have a cuppa or let me know when you're home or, yeah, and just to definitely to catch up because, like, I miss seeing him now. I feel like if I if I haven't seen him, I'm, you know, we're definitely always checking in on each other if we haven't talked to each other in a week or, yeah, that's nice. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Cognitive Behavioural Education providing training and supervision for people working with people who experience trauma. If you work with people, you know how challenging it can be sometimes and how you can end up having the wrong end of someone's day or having to deal with their trauma. CBE's training and supervision services can upskill and support you and your team to manage, de-escalate and thrive in these situations. For more information, go to www.cbe.net.au. So what else is kind of, what's different about him now? He's, um, his perspective on life is different. He is doing things now that he's, like, he's prioritising him in his life. He's doing things that make him feel good. He's being with, surrounding himself with people that make him feel like him. Um, you know, he pursues hobbies that he, he probably, you know, used to tinker in, but now they're, you know, he makes it reality. Um, and he just, he just doesn't give a shit, which is good. Like he, he just does that. Like, and I love that he, you know, I still need to buy him a t-shirt that says like, what's your excuse? I died and came back or, or whatever. Like he's constantly (laughs) making jokes about that, which I love because he doesn't find that like he, he uses that as a as a blessing rather than as a, a hindrance. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does joke about it, doesn't he? Yeah, all the way. 
It's so morbid. <laughs> I know. That's it. But did you die? And then he goes, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, so you can't say that one to him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no. So he also had a sort of secondary trauma after the accident. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about that? Um, yeah. So after after he was, oh, not completely mended, um, his, his wife at the time, then she had a breakdown and, and she'd left the family home. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was meant to be permanently or not, but she kind of got a bit of space and, and um, moved out for a bit and, yeah, didn't, didn't actually come back. So that was... A, How did he cope with that? Um, pretty well, I think. He obviously... Um, He'll, he only lets on what he wants people to know um, as far as how much he's hurt because he's, as I said again, like he's, he's very proud and he doesn't, you know, he's a strong male that is, you know, very independent and doesn't, you know, doesn't need too much help from anyone but at the same time needs all the support he can get. So it, um, he, he coped well. He he doesn't mind being on his own um, as in doing things by himself and everything. And I think he just got to the point where it was, okay, if this is life, I can do this. Like he didn't dwell on it too much because after everything he'd gone through, what he was going through with, you know, with her leaving, I think was nothing like not nothing, but considering that he, you know, he's just, he's just come through like a massive accident and everything. I think he just thought he's strong enough to, he's strong enough to handle anything after he's gone through that. And um, yeah, so he was very optimistic. Some, obviously some days are better than others. And like, I saw him so much more, which was, which was lovely for me. Um, yeah. We used to catch up heaps. Um, when it had first sort of happened, um, I remember him, ringing me and saying like hey Mim what are you up to like um I'd invited him over for dinner and I said oh is it you and your wife coming They're, oh no nah, she's no nah, she's I think she's gone out so she won't come over and then at the last minute he had um randomly cancelled and he goes oh I'm just not feeling it like oh I might just stay home so I said, well, I've already cooked dinner. So then I remember getting the dinner and take, like taking it over. And I said, okay, cool. I said, do you need anything? I'm coming, like, I'm coming over to you then. And yeah, I remember going over and yeah, he just broke down. Like it was, it was horrible. Okay. I hated seeing him in pain, hated seeing him cry. And it was, yeah, I, I sort of had to bust it out for myself. Um, you know, obviously looking around going, like, where is she? Like, is she not? And then, yeah, for him to go, oh, no, nah, she hasn't been here for a couple of weeks. I'm like, what do you mean? And then, yeah, for him to tell me that, you know, she just needs a bit of time out and that she'd go to a parent's house and, and everything like that. And yeah, which he was, mm. he was kind of okay with it. 
um, I don't know that everything had been, you know, all rainbows and butterflies previous to the accident. Um, as I said, we didn't patch up a lot, so it was hard to then gauge on what what level they were on. Um, mm. Because it's amazing what you can do when you're, um, you know, when you're in front of people, you can put on such a front. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, yeah. So, so you guys are. Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, he he got through it though. He kept himself busy. Like he loved cleaning cars and everything, and was just always busy, always doing something, trying to, um, you know, whether it was building I think it was model cars or something at one stage um when yeah when he was in um like sort of full like when he was in the, the thick of the recovery when he couldn't actually move around too much um oh yeah yeah so yeah so that's what he was doing to sort of keep himself busy and then yeah as he got a bit more mobile it was he would go and you know detail his car or yeah in the shed or yeah so from something so scary like I can't even imagine getting that phone call that would have been horrendous um to now he's well again and he's um you know pretty happy and you guys have you know built a really beautiful relationship again yeah there's there's always sort of silver linings huh yeah, and uh, I do I tell myself that quite often, that without this, and yeah, he, he wouldn't have obviously met his, his new beautiful girlfriend or, um, or her beautiful kids or, yeah, he wouldn't have a relationship with my kids that he has. Um, yeah, I think it's even bring, brought him and mum closer together because he actually goes and sees her. He wants to see her now rather than it being a chore. Yeah. Which is not like, and they have great conversations and mum, you know, the golden child that he is, um, <laughs> loves him and his sister baby and yeah. So That's awesome. I'm so glad. Like I love hearing uh, happy happy endings I guess yeah. I, I love hearing people come out of trauma and it, their life is is good mm. so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today it was really lovely to talk to you Jill thank you so much thank you for joining me today on the trauma tales now is a good time to go and do some self-care especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to The Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email The Trauma Tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.